Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what we aim to do once again on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. Got some great stories to get into, some personal accounts, some philosophical discussions of some things. A Harvard study claims it believes an object that passed through our solar system was extraterrestrial in origin. We're going to review that. Fantastic stuff that's coming out here. We are living in some exciting times. We're going to get into that. I want to share a personal experience I've had uh, over the past week with some strange visitors in the night that came and did something to me. Been a, uh, a busy week for me, as always. Last week, my show, I was really passionate about last week's show. If you have not listened to it, I invite you to go ahead and do so. You can find the archives on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, tune in radio anywhere else you can find your podcast really uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in every week to listen to it but it was a great show uh, I talked about this, these new meditations that I've been doing with uh, Tony Robbins uh, and I put the links in the show notes last week and for the most part it's, it's working I'd say it's, it's, it's really changed my life I, I wake up every morning I, I've been doing it for about a week now uh, and out of the last seven days five of them I've felt Amazing. I've had two bad days, which is really good for me because I've been having about seven out of seven bad days for a while, just feeling down and stressed and stuff from everything I've got going on. And I've noticed my my stressful days have come when my morning routine has been disrupted. So that's the next thing I'm working on is to be able to deal with interruptions to my morning routine. Uh, for example, there's been two mornings this week. I've been getting up at 5 a.m. to make sure I start my day right and uh, get my meditation in. I get my yoga practice in. I get my shower, my ice cold shower, because that's been helping with stuff. Um, and then I, I edit my book for an hour before anybody in my house wakes up. And then when they wake up, I'm excited to see my kids. I prep them for their day. I get them out the door to school, uh, and it's great. And then I go right into my real estate business and, and just keep going for the rest of the day. Well, let's take today, for example. My one daughter is, has been sick off and on, and I'm up at she woke me up at 4.45 this morning, so I went in there. I laid with her for a little bit, and then at about 5 o'clock, she was back asleep. So I was like, great, 5 o'clock, I was going to get up anyway, just 15 minutes earlier. So I went out, I did my meditation, I was feeling pretty good, getting ready to start yoga, and guess who's waking up not feeling so well? My daughter. So I went in, I put my yoga on pause, and I went and I laid with her. And after about a half hour, she's just wide awake playing. I'm like, well, it looks like I'm not getting my private time. So I brought her out and she's pretty good. I, you know, I sit her on a couch and I give her her milk in the morning and I went through my yoga and I got the workout done, which felt great to do yoga in the morning, but it's something different when you're by yourself and able to really focus on your body and your breathing and, and just relaxing, or you have a one and a half year old sitting on your head every time you do downward dog or screaming at you to pick her up or to do something. It really, it changes the peacefulness of it. Um, you know, so I, st I went, I got through my whole routine and I'm proud of myself for that. 
you know, and I got to do my editing at Food for Oh my gosh, I'm killing it with Food for the Archons. I can't wait to get this book out to you guys. Anyway, what what I want to say is that overall, my mood on a day like today is not as positive and happy as it's been the rest of the week. But the, the majority of this week, I, I, I the things that would normally stress me out and make me frustrated and upset didn't seem to bother me at all. And I also noticed that throughout my day over the past week, normally throughout my day, I've been taking time without even making a conscious effort to stop and, and realize how thankful I am for different things. It's like if my kid sitting there and says something, I'll, something neat, I'll stop and I'll say, wow, I'm really thankful that I was here. And that's not something I'm making a conscious effort to do. I just feel so good and proud and, and mindful of the moment. There's a real change that, that has been taking place. So um, I think it's important to focus on that, especially with some of the stuff I might get into tonight. Um, we need to be mindful and find a routine, find meditations. We need That needs to be one of our lines of defense. I was in a discussion with Ray. Um, I should have pulled the thread up. I'm slacking here. But we, we were in a discussion uh, about the you know, timeout. Let, let me let me find it so I can give you guys the background on. All right, here it is. Ray put up a thread uh, earlier this week on the Sixth Sense Media page. It's uh, Facebook.com/slash The Sixth Sense Media. Check it out, please. Great discussions again this week. He put this up just yesterday, and it was a meme. And all it said was "Love is." We had to fill in the blank. And we had uh, one of our one of our members of the page. He said a, a joke while we're under fascism. And I'm not knocking his comment at all. I love the dialogue and the discourse and the discussion. Um, you know, so Ray had some commentary on it, and then we started talking. And, and I, it got me thinking, because it's it's frustrating with the political climate. It's easy to take that perspective and, you know, and, and to be so down and, and angry when somebody brings something positive. You're like, are you paying attention to this world? How are you able to talk about love, you know? And, and here's my thoughts. It sums up everything. If I, And what I said to, to Ray and, and this gentleman in our group, is that if what we've been covering on this show is correct, if the data we've been gathering is correct, let's say worst case scenario, the archons rule the world, you're living on a farm and your sole ex- purpose in this existence, you were created to put out suffering so you can provide loose or some kind of energy to these beings. Let's say that's the reason why we're designed, the reason why we're here in this experiment. So in the face of frustration and anger or something terrible, if you get angry, you are giving the system exactly what it wants. And what what I was talking about, what Ray was talking about, is that if you can find joy in that hardship, and I know you can throw at me a thousand morbidly gross situations where... Dennis, that's inappropriate. Dennis, is horrible. But think about it for a minute. If you can find something positive and find a way to be happy and feel good during terrible situations, then you are, that's the greatest act of rebellion in this system. You know, I was listening to Tony Robbins again this week, and he was talking about one of the things he did was when he was feeling depressed, he read every book he could on people that survived struggles and hardships. And one of the books he was talking about, and I don't remember the book or the guy's name, I got to find the video, but he was talking about a guy that survived the Holocaust and found, and he lost a lot of people that he cared about, but he found a way 
to still make his life worth living, to make it meaningful, to make it have value. It doesn't mean don't ever feel sad. It doesn't mean don't ever get upset. It means that no matter what you throw at me, I'm going to make the best of this situation. You know, I remember I wrote about it in my book, Service, when I was in the police academy with my buddy, real, real good friend of mine. And there's a chapter in my book about tra- about our training. And this is why we became such good friends, my friend Daryl. It was it was the first week, and we're getting smoked. And you know, there's this position they call a cockroach, and you lay and you lay on your back, and you kick your arms and your legs up in the air, and you lift your head up, and you're working your abs. So they're just smoking us forever. So I I tucked into the back. It was in an L-shaped hallway. I tucked into the back in this L-shape, and I as I jo- drop down, I see him laying even further in the back than me. I knew he was hiding. Turns out he's a vet just like me, he had a similar background to me. And as soon as the drill instructors walked away. He puts his feet down, and if you get caught, that's a big no-no. And I looked at him like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, I love this. This is so much fun, just being sarcastic. And him and I start laughing, and then we and we know if we get caught laughing, we're going to get smoked even more, which made us laughing even harder. So then you know, I quick put my straight face back on as the drill instructor walked back, and I looked over at him, and he had this look on his face like he was in the most pain he'd ever experienced in the world because he knows if the drill instructor thinks we're slacking and having a good time, they're going to smoke you. So they walked away again, and we just laughed. And he was able to inspire me to every time something bad happened, we'd find the funny in it. And I remember being a kid watching the movie Ninja Turtles. As silly as an example, this is I, I've said it regularly, though. The character Michelangelo was always telling jokes while they're getting their butts kicked or beating the crap out of people. And I tried to embody that when I was in the military, when I was a police officer, how can I bring the humor to situations? You know, and there's some serious stuff you got to deal with, but I've been in a lot of scary, dangerous situations and I'm able to respectfully crack a joke and it breaks the tension. And in my opinion, it stops that loose distribution. How can you bring that positivity to a bad situation? Even when my dad was dying, I remember my dad was saying to my mom, tell Dennis not to make jokes during these, these times. And I wasn't making jokes like as my dad was actually dying, but in the build-up to that, I would. I would make the jokes and I would say the inappropriate things because it broke the tension. I know my dad bitched about it a little bit, but at the same time, I got laughs out of the guy. I got laughs out of him that I, I don't think would have been there if I wasn't able to break that tension. Did I cross the line sometimes? Probably. But for the most part, find a way to bring joy to those situations. That is, in my opinion, the greatest act of rebellion because if we're in a system that's designed to maximize suffering and and you then are faced with a hardship because the system is keeping you down or the system is oppressing you or, or taking your loved ones, God forbid, or heaven forbid, and, and you find a way to, to bring love to that, that's the act of rebellion. If you react with violence and if we, we, what we know about the energetic heart and, and um, you know the Maharishi effect, and if you react violently or angrily, well, now you're magnifying that signal that's already out there causing you that hardship, and you're going to push that onto somebody else. You're spreading that virus. You want to stop it? You got to find a way, not just think positive. You got to find a way to find that love in your heart. All right, I'm going on. I didn't even expect to talk about this. This just came to me randomly. But I think it's important to note, again, great discussions going on. Uh, you know, on our on our social media sites this week, Ray's got he's, he's just got the content pouring. So if you're not following us yet, 
please do so. Uh, again, facebook.com slash the six cents media. That's the number six. All right, here's a story I'm excited about. I got some positive coming tonight, too. I'm excited about this story. Unknown Country, another website that I love. They're killing it again. Listen to this one. Psilocybin has been granted, quote, breakthrough therapy status by the FDA for untreatable depression. Now, I've covered this story quite a few times about the psilocybin mushroom. I think plant medicine is powerful. Graham Hancock says there's a war on consciousness in this world. We can't make the choice to take psychedelic and psychoactive substances to enhance or explore our own consciousness. That's a great crime against humanity. It looks like we're moving in that direction. I'm going to read some of this article here. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has granted a group of researchers approval to proceed with the use of the controversial drug psilocybin, a psychedelic compound naturally produced in about 200 species of mushrooms to treat patients suffering from treatment-resistant depression. This comes as welcome news for researchers The study that study psychedelic drugs as current drug laws inhibit the study into the potential medicinal effects that the forbidden fungus may have to offer. With a variety of treatments for clinical depression, as many as half the patients suffering from this condition are afflicted with a form that is resistant to standard treatment. But a clinical study conducted at the Imperial College London found that treatments that induced dose that included doses of psilocybin effectively reset the brains of the patients. That is incredible. If you've ever known somebody that's dealt with depression and can't seem to move past it. Move past it is a, is a dismissive statement. I don't mean it that way. But they can't seem to beat it. This, this could bring a lot of hope to that. Uh, several Continuing on, several of our patients described feeling reset after the treatment and often used computer analogies. According to Robin Carhart Harris, PhD, Empirical College's head of psychedelic research. For example, one said he felt like his brain had been defragged like a computer hard drive, and another said he felt rebooted. Now, that's an amazing analogy for me because I've, I've made the comparison on this show with the psilocybin mushroom. Trevor sent me some stuff before um, talking about the mushroom intelligence, how it travels with its spores throughout the galaxy, and I've talked about the comparison, almost like the good versus evil of the mushroom intelligence versus the AI intelligence that's out there. But we're making that comparison of the computers. That it's a powerful metaphor. We're really we, we're moving forward in leaps and bounds. In contrary to what you know, I'm going to cover a little bit later, and what we talk about with the AI stuff. I think that the plant consciousness and the mushroom consciousness and the bio intelligence that's out there. I'm not saying go out and go eat a whole bunch of shrooms, but I think that in a controlled environment with somebody who knows what they're doing, I think that offers a lot of potential and insight. It's one path of many that can really offer us that better, meaningful understanding of who we are and our connection to the universe. And again, could be another piece to our great resistance to what may be ahead in our future. Um, do, I, do I want to talk about that now? Yes, and, and just thinking about the AI stuff, I don't have the link right now in front of me. I'll try to get it into the show notes and in the, in the secret newsletter. But I, I just saw China launched their first AI news anchor. Now, I mean, the implications of that are, again, horrifying, especially with the repression that's going on with China. They're going to have an AI uh, that for now is controlled by you know China's totalitarian regime um, that's putting out the news, creating its own stories and acting as an anchor. Let's say, going back to Ed Reardon's content, because I don't want us to forget about that show, the remote viewing of QAnon and, and this AI signal that's going to come out. 
what he was talking about, what he was seeing, is basically a signal that just went out and instantly affected the minds of everybody. And you tie that into the nanotech stuff that we're seeing coming out there, the Julian Assange stuff, you know, the nanofibers are in everything that he's saying. Let's say, again, worst case scenario, let's say there's a worst case scenario, we've got the nanofibers in us already, the nanotech in us, and we're unaware of it. And all of a sudden, when 5G comes out, boom, that signal goes out, and all of a sudden, wow, our brains are just dropped clicked into that signal, we're under the control of this AI. Let's say that happens. Can we resist it? Or is it total invasion of the body snatchers what's going on here? I'm trying to brainstorm ways that we can resist this. And I think if we build our minds, we build in back doors into our minds. The mushroom may offer some of those tools. If you can ask those questions, it may open your mind and create doorways and pathways that the AI can't combat yet. The other thing I was thinking about, the movie Inception, they created these little talismans. Inception, and if you've never seen Inception, they had these little trinkets that they carried on them at all times, and they were the only ones that understood these unique features about it. So the one guy carried a chess piece, and he would he would knock it over, and it always fell a certain way. The other guy had a, a top that he would spin, and it would always it would never stop spinning when he was in a dream state, and it, would, it was a way for them to check, am I dreaming or... Or is this real? Because it did something in reality, or in at least their current waking reality, differently than it did when they were in a dream state. So they were constantly doing this all day long in the waking reality to understand how their little talisman worked. And then it became second nature when they were in the dream state. They would do it as well. And they would train themselves to pay attention to it. And when they'd say, uh-oh, this didn't fall the way that it's supposed to fall, I'm dreaming, and then they would start to wake themselves up. I went through that long explanation. Study lucid dreaming. Study a lot of the literature and the research out there on how to induce lucid dreaming. Basically, you're training yourself to wake up in a dream state. It's a real thing. Um, this could be another backdoor if this AI... I know it sounds crazy, but go back and listen to my... I, I don't even, I'm not crazy. I don't even have to say it. It's out there. If this happens... If this happens, this could be another form of resistance, training your mind to wake up. I mean, for all we know, we could be induced in a state of sleep right now. Maybe my voice, are you dreaming right now? How do you know? If you start going down that road, how can you prove you're not dreaming right now? Go out and do some homework. I need to get somebody on there who's a lucid dreaming expert, and we need to dissect this even further because I think this could be another tool in our resistance. Again, and that doesn't involve let's get violent, let's go fight a war. It's taking control of your own consciousness. I think that we're on to a thread here. Look into that. Let me know what you come up with. If you've done this before, if you know lucid dreaming, you want to talk about it on the show or you want to send me a note that I can read on the show, please do it. Thank you. All right. Where do I want to go next? I'll have the links to the Unknown Country article about the psilocybin as well. I got two more things that I want to cover. Actually, three more things. Let me share a personal story. Um, it was kind of wild. I, I, I had a visitation um, this, this past week. And uh, I, I haven't had a, a, a visitor in a while. When I was younger, if you, if you read I Am Human and We're Not Who We Think We Are, like this is kind of what's really pushed my rebellion for a while. I've, I've had the night terrors. I've had the sleep paralysis. I've had the shadow figures and the parasites through, off and on throughout my life. Um, and, and when I was younger, it used to terrify me. And I never, I used to categorize it in my head as, well, this must be like the alien abduction scenario. 
but my experiences never fit what a lot of other people talked about. I never went up into a craft that I, that I have memory of. I didn't see the gray beings with the large bulbous eyes staring at me. My experience felt more like a dream that was more than a dream. It didn't feel like I'm awake and they're taking me somewhere and there's these beings and they're teaching me to fly a ship. I've had one or two of those, but the majority of my experiences I felt were more spiritual in nature. The more research I did, I, I think there's a distinction there between the alien stuff, or I don't know that they're alien, but the, the, the UFO modern-day reference to alien stuff and these shadow beings, and I think they're connected, but so my experience would be I'd wake up and all of a sudden I can't move and then I sense something in the room and then I see a blurry figure and then it messes with me and then I fall asleep. So I've had these experiences off and on. I drew a line in the sand at one point. And I said, I'm going to fight you. I was a cop. I was a soldier. We're going to fight. I'm going to do everything I can. And I was able to gain a little bit more control of my consciousness. I was able to somewhat communicate with these beings a little bit and, and then ultimately fight them off with what the routines that I went into. And it allowed me to, to become a little bit less fearful. And through more of the research I've been doing, I suspect that some of these are, are programs. And they respond to and induce your fear. They make you afraid and then they benefit from that fear. But I, I feel like they're gatekeepers. And they're guarding your ability to transcend to the next level. The statement, the only thing to fear is fear itself, is so true with this. And if you talk to a lot of people who travel out of body a lot more and a lot better than I do, they have experiences where they're tested and they're afraid or they have to be in control of that emotion of fear and recognize or send love in the face of fear. Back to what I was talking about with Ray and earlier in the show. And all of a sudden, the experience changes and you're not afraid anymore, and the, and the fearful thing either morphs into something beautiful or it just goes away, and now you're free to go explore this level. When I finally got that in my head, my experiences started to change. So sometimes, especially if I'm going through some dark stuff in my life, they'll show up again. But now I'm at a point where I can tell myself, I know they're not going to hurt me, I know I don't have to be afraid because when I realize I'm not afraid, this scary part stops and then I have really cool things that are going to happen. And I talk about that a little bit in, uh, in I Am Human, We're Not Who We Think We Are. It's an important piece. And as scary as that is, I'm thankful for that experience because it showed me there's something more to this reality. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have wanted to question my reality. So I'm thankful that they have that I've encountered them. Now I don't know what I encountered the other night. Let me get to this experience. My daughter comes in at 3 a.m. and wakes me up. Daddy, I had a nightmare. Okay, this happens from time to time. I bring her back to room, her room. I put her in bed, put her back to sleep. Three o'clock, they say is the witching hour. It's the anti hour, you know, whatever. So now I'm in bed, it's three o'clock. I can't fall back to sleep. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. 
I'm awake. Next thing I look at the clock, it's 4 a.m. I get up at 5. It's 4 a.m. All of a sudden, my consciousness clicks off. I'm in that sleep paralysis state, and I'm not alone. I don't know how. I, I think it was a group of them. I, I, I don't know what they were. I didn't, I didn't perceive shadow figures. I didn't, I didn't perceive anything. I just know there was more than one thing in my room. But I was calm. I wasn't scared. And this thing did something to my head, right at my crown chakra. And I felt that, I felt this crazy pressure and energy, and then a release and an opening up of my crown chakra. And the impression I got was, this is going to allow me to hear voices. And I, I perceive that to mean like almost like a psychic medium somebody who can talk to the dead. And the procedure was done twice. And when I was able to focus in on what was happening, it was like tuning in a radio. All of a sudden, I heard a whole bunch of chatter going on around me. And then the experience stopped. And then I, I went in and I had this crazy nightmare. But I know that sounds counter, you know, it sounds hypocritical, right? But I haven't been able to hear voices yet. I have in my notice a little bit deeper states in my meditations. Um, and I do feel a little bit more of an energy flow at my crown chakra. I'm still exploring this. I reached out to some friends in, in some meditation groups I'm a part of. And a couple of them have had very similar experiences. And a couple, you know, travelers out there have told me, um, you know, they've had this. And it, it's, it is some kind, it could be some kind of gift or help to bring me to another level energetically, spiritually, whatever. I haven't fully realized what this is yet, but I wanted to share that with all of you because that discussion I got into with some of the, some of my friends out there, some people told me, yeah, I've had this experience and I believe it's the archons. I was like, and these, some people, these people I don't know. I said, whoa, do you understand? Like I'm writing a book about the archons. Um, just a lot of coincidences and synchronicities, but overall, it was a positive experience for me. So I'm exploring that. Uh, have you ever had this experience? Have you ever had a similar experience? What do you think it means? Uh, where is this leading me? What can I do to try to understand this a little bit more? I'm just curious about it. But to me, it was a very real thing. Uh, so it was pretty cool. So I'll let you know if anything more comes of it. I'll definitely be willing to talk about it um, on the air. So here we go. I'm excited about this article. This came, Ray sent this to me uh, earlier in the week, and it was a, a Secure Team video. And Secure Team, I'll have their link in the show notes. He breaks it down really, really well, and I don't want to steal his thunder. I want to give credit to Ray for bringing this to my attention, and I want to give credit to Secure Team because he, he, he called this out a year ago in 2017. So what happened was an object, it was the first uh, inter, I don't know the right term, intergalactic, the first object that came from out of our solar system and passed through our solar system that was observed. And security team does an awesome job of giving the background on this, but he describes it as this large cigar-shaped cylindrical object that came from out of our solar system and into our solar system. And while they were tracking this object, what they saw, and here's the date, October 19th, 2017. I've given a summary and then I'll read this article I have. 
while they were tracking this object, apparently the object changed direction, it increased its speed, and then it looped around the sun, caught a trajectory, and then slingshotted back out of our solar system. Now, asteroids don't do that. Objects that aren't technology don't all of a sudden change direction unless they're acted on by an external force. They don't increase speed unless they're acted on by an external force or are some kind of craft. So here's the article I'm going to share. Again, Ray sent me this article. The article was referenced in, in the Secure Team's video as well. So again, I didn't discover this. I want to give credit where credit's due. It's called Harvard scientists, Harvard scientists, suggest weird interstellar object, Muamua is what they called it, could be, drumroll, could be an alien solar sail. Let me read that again. Harvard scientists suggest the weird interstellar object, Muamua, could be an alien solar sail. Do we see where the conversation's going now, friends? I'm excited that I'm a part of this discussion. I'm excited that for the last two years I've been tracking these stories and I'm watching them evolve in the mainstream. Now Harvard is saying, we think an alien object, an alien object, came through our solar system. We are living in exciting times. I'm going to cover some dark potential with this here, but we're living in exciting times. And I'm excited to be a part of it. I really am. So October 19, 2017, the Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System 1 in Hawaii announced the first ever detection of an interstellar asteroid named 1I2017, also known as Oumuamua. The months that followed, multiple follow-up observations were conducted that allowed astronomers to get a better idea of its size and shape, while also revealing that it had the characteristics of both a comet and an asteroid. Interesting enough, interestingly enough, there has also been some speculation that based on its shape, a Muamua might actually be an interstellar spa spacecraft. A new study by a pair of astronomers from the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics has taken it a step further, suggesting that Oumuamua may actually be a light sail of extraterrestrial origin. The study, Could Solar Radiation Pressure Explain Oumuamua's Peculiar Acceleration, which recently appeared online, was conducted by Smell Bailey and Professor Abraham Loeb, whereas Bailey is a postdoctoral researcher at the CFA's Institute for Theory and Computation. Professor Loeb is the director of the ITC, the Frank B. Baird Jr. Professor of Science at Harvard University, and the head chair of the Breakthrough Starshot Advisory Committee. To recap, Oumumu was first spotted by PanStars 1 survey 40 days after it made its closest pass to the sun on September 9, 2017. At this point, it was about 0.25 astronomical units from the sun, which is one quarter distance, one quarter the distance between Earth and the sun, and already on its way out of the solar system. In the meantime, astronomers noted that it appeared to have a high density indicative of a rocky and metallic composition and that it was spinning rapidly. Well, it did not show any signs of outgassing as it passed close to our sun, which would have indicated that it was a comet. A research team was able to obtain spectra that indicated that Oumuamua was more icy than previously thought. 
Then, as it began to leave the solar system, the Hubble Space Telescope snapped some final images of Oumuamua that revealed some unexpected behavior. After examining the images, another inter international research team discovered that Oumuamua had increased its velocity rather than slowing down as expected. The most likely explanation, they claimed, was that Oumuamua was venting material from its surface due to solar heating, a.k.a. outgassing. The release of the material, which is consistent with how the comet behaves, would give Oumuamua the steady push it needed to achieve this boost in velocity. To this, Bailey and Loeb offer a counter-explanation. If Oumuamua were in fact a comet, why then did it not experience outgassing when it was closest to our sun? In addition, they cite other research that showed that if outgassing were responsible for the acceleration, it would have also caused a rapid evolution in Oumuamua's spin, which was not observed. Basically, Bailey and Loeb considered the possibility that Oumuamua could in fact be a light sail, a form of spacecraft that relies on radiation pressure to generate propulsion, similar to what Breakthrough Starshot is working on. Similar to what is planned for Starshot, this light sail may be sent from another civilization to study our solar system and look for signs of life, as Professor Loeb explains to the universe today via email. We explain the excess acceleration of Oumuamua away from the sun as the rest of the force that the sunlight exerts on its surface. For this force to explain measured ex excess acceleration, the object needs to be extremely thin, of order of a fraction of a millimeter in thickness, but tens of meters in size. This makes the object lightweight for its surface area and allows it to act as a light sail. Its origin could be either natural in the interstellar median or proplanetary disks, or artificial as a probe sent for a reconnaissance mission into the inner region of the solar system. I want to focus on that possibility for a minute. So if this is technology, and they go on to talk a little bit more about this, I'm going to have the links. Go read the rest of this article. It's fascinating. What if this is a reconnaissance mission? What does that mean? Now, this was a year ago, okay, in 2017. Could the push for a space force be connected to this object being observed? Are they assuming, because that's how the Defense Department thinks, this may be a recon mission? Up, oh, we discovered life on planet Earth. Independence Day, here we come. I'm not trying to spread fear, my friends. Maybe it's a benevolent civilization. But maybe it's not. Maybe this is what the government's thinking, that this is a reconnaissance mission. They now know we're here. Again, exciting times. Not necessarily for a good reason, but exciting and, oh my gosh, this is, ama this is an amazing possibility. There's a lot of stuff out there, friends. I I'm going I'm to leave that there with you to think about and to ponder. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Send me a message. Reach out to me. Do you think this is a reconnaissance mission? Do you think this is just an asteroid that was outgassing? Do you think this is intelligently designed? Now, Secure Team goes on to talk about the fact that it's the cigar shape, and he goes in and gives data saying that's the most common UFO observed on the planet Earth right now. We see a lot of cigar shapes that are observed, and he tra traces back in history seeing all these common cigar shapes that are out there. So, is this a reconnaissance mission? Is this just, I don't know, the people who seeded our planet, was this the, the first one coming in, checking up on us, and then going back to report back to say, hey, here's how Earth's doing? I, 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 don't, I don't know, but I, I'm really curious to see what else comes of this. And I think it's exciting 
that Harvard is now saying, hey, this could be, like, these are credible people. This makes me not feel, feel so crazy, and this gives me more credibility. See, in my head, every time I put out a show, all I picture are people listening to my show going, like, ha- me having to argue and defend my show. And that's why I do it the way I do it, because I put my content out there with the idea in mind that somebody's going to say, you're nuts, and dismiss me. That's why everything I talk about, I give a link to, unless I'm giving my speculation or my opinions, and then I, I tell you that. But what's exciting for me is that the links that I'm giving more often now than not are links to credible people and organizations talking about incredible things that just a few years ago they were saying, go put your tinfoil hat on, you're crazy. I can now go out there in social media world and say something I see, and maybe I need to change my mindset because I'm always expecting an argument. And in reality, I just get s- silence. I think a lot of people just don't engage me. But I can excitedly talk about this stuff and not have to be, I hate to say it, but not to be embarrassed that, oh, somebody is going to look at me and think I'm crazy. And I'm, I'm over that for the most part, obviously. But there was a long time where I wouldn't talk about this stuff publicly because I was afraid somebody was going to judge me or label me. I can sit here now and say, look at these people are hard. Like, how smart do you sound? Well, according to a Harvard study, this could have been of extraterrestrial origin. According to this institute, according to that. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm proud of that. I hope, I hope you are out there as well. Uh, and I want to say thank you to Ray for, for bringing this to my attention. And again, go listen to Secure Team's breakdown because I'm, I'm barely scratching the surface of it. He does a really good job and it's, it's well worth your time and attention. So I'm going to direct you to him. I'll have the links to his episode on that in my show notes as well. It's well worth uh, taking a look at. I had something else I wanted to get into, um, but it's going to take up some time and, and I'm just about out of time. I, I, got, a, I got a busy day tomorrow ahead of me. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and end the show here because I don't want to spread us too thin in, in varying topics and content. But I'll leave a, a teaser for you. I've got some good Archon stuff that was sent to me from a, from a listener and a friend. I'm going to table that for another show so I can give that more attention. I don't want to just cram that into just a few minutes. And I don't want to overwhelm this show either. So I'm going to put that on hold and come back to that, the Archon stuff. But it's powerful. So let me leave that as a teaser. Um, on another note, if you want to come on the show, if you have a story or an experience to share, look, I really want to get... Like the story I shared tonight, if you have an experience like that and you want to talk about it, I want to share your stories. I want people to, out there to hear how common these experiences are. And they're interesting to listen to. If you want to come on, get in touch with me, please, through sixcentsmedia.net. Click the contact tab. If you want to be a reporter, if you want to go out and, and, and work with us, uh, go out. I don't care what you find that, that you think is relevant. Go do an interview. Go report on something that's out there. Write us an article. We're trying to grow, and we need you to do it. I did see, I did see a couple of you signed up to, uh, you know, the contact page to to join our team. I haven't gotten any emails from you. If you sent me a note, it didn't come through. Send me a direct email. It means there's a glitch in my system. I did see that you signed up for it. There's an automated email that goes up, and it gives you like, hey, you know, here's what we're looking for. Can you submit us a writing sample? You know, it's been a while since I looked at it. So if, if you did sign up and you're expecting a response for me, all I saw was that you signed up. I haven't gotten the contact form back from you. So if you're waiting to hear back from me, please send me a direct email. 
Um, and that means I have a glitch in my system, so my apologies. But I did see two of you, I think two or three of you signed up. Um, if you're waiting to hear back from me, send me a message. You know, Get in touch with me through. I'm easy to find. Find a way to get in touch with me um, and let me know. I'm excited. This is growing. Um, it really is. We've had some really good discussions with uh, some great people, some great minds out there. So I'm proud um, to be a part of this, and thank you to my listeners out there. Please continue to like and share. Um, that really helps the show. I, I, I'm still uploading stuff to YouTube if you're comfortable on the YouTube platform. I'm one or two shows behind. i got to get them back up there. I'll work on that for you this week. Uh, and again, Ray Davis is killing it. Check out his stuff. He's got affirmations out there. You can find it through SixthSenseMedia.net. He's got a lot of free content out there um, with his affirmations. Anunnaki Awakening is Ray's book. It's well worth your time. If you don't understand the Anunnaki, like I didn't when I first started, I knew who they were through Ancient Aliens. Ray tells a, a great story. He's working on his second book as well. Check out his book, Anunnaki Awakening. The links are at SixthSenseMedia.net. And again, sign up for the secret newsletter. You'll get a free copy of my book, I Am Human, We're Not Who We Think We Are, sixcentsmedia.net slash I Am Human, sixcentsmedia.net slash I Am Human. One more time, sixcentsmedia.net slash I Am Human. Those are all my commercials tonight, my friends. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful week. I'm trying to keep that positivity going. I know I cover some dark stuff, and I will have some more dark days ahead. I'm aware of that. But I really think that the best way to overcome this system. I don't want to say fight this system anymore. I don't want to say beat the system. The best way to overcome it, the best way to transcend it, I think, is with that love, with that spiritual growth, with that understanding, with that inner work. Um, we need to be knowledgeable of what's out there because that helps us to better navigate it. So take the time, do the inner work, and share your experiences. I know some of them are personal. The more you share it, the more we learn from one another. I'm out of, I'm out of time, my friends. Thank you so much. I love you all. I'm so thankful to be able to do this show every week uh, and to interact with all of you. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you.